Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. I'm sitting here today with Roan from the Everfresh crew. Uh, if you're into street art, you're sure to know who he is from his uh, big murals of, of female faces. How you going, Roan? Good. How you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. I'm just trying to think when I first met you. I, I met you when you, were, uh, when you were at the Blender Studios. Yeah, that would have been 2001 uh, or two. Yeah. Like, that's when I was there, because I think we moved to Collingwood in late 03, 04. No, it's, that's, that's wrong, actually, really? because I arrived back, I was living in, in London, and I arrived back in Melbourne in the beginning of 2004, and you, okay. guys, you guys were at Blender. Oh, really? Yeah. All right, there so yeah, go. there we go. Sorry to correct you, but I no, just—I no. uh, remember those dates. No, yeah. that's good. All right. Yeah. 2004. <laughs> I think I've had this argument mixed, but you've definitely confirmed it then. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was late 03, but yeah. All right, 04 it is. 04, yeah. So um, you, you grew up originally in Geelong, didn't you? Yeah, like the other side of it. Like Geelong was the big city for me. Um, so... To say, say Geelong is not really correct, it's probably another 30, 40 minutes away from there, like very regional, like um, dams and horses and paddock cars and motorbikes. Yeah. was my reality growing up. So you, you were inland? Yeah, not totally inland. Like we were on, what do you call it, like a peninsula. So it was, um, you know... Farming, but close to the sea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not too bad. What, what was it called? What's the town? Uh, Kerr Lewis. All right. Population, a couple hundred, maybe. Jeez. Yeah. So were you, um, were you like desperate to move to Melbourne throughout your teens, or were you pretty happy where you were and it was just um, evolution? I think growing up as a kid, living um, five kilometers from the bus stop was, you know, a really different experience compared to a lot of my friends now where just, you can just, you know, you leave, you left your home and you could be in the middle of the city, um, like just jumping on a train and I'd never had that experience, like, but I had a great, you know, childhood growing up on a farm, like I was driving probably by the time I was 12, 13 and probably had my own car, like I probably had like six or seven cars by the time I was 18, just like $50 paddock cars that were last a few months and we would just, you know, wreck them and fix them and I learned a lot of stuff about mechanics that way. Um, but, you know, not being able to, like I never got that influence of graffiti or all the stuff I fell in love with as soon as I arrived in Melbourne. And, yeah. and what, what made you move to Melbourne? Uh, study. I came here to study um, graphic design and, you know, once I started walking around the city and seeing what was happening that was kind of I don't know like along with that and skateboarding it was kind of just my way of exploring the city yeah and were you creative as a kid or um, like you were more just into your cars and <laughs> cars and motorbikes yeah. um my dad was a spray painter and he had a a, I guess a panel beating spray painting workshop on the farm so he was kind of like the guy that everyone kind of knew that probably did it a bit cheaper because he wasn't in the city 
Um, so there was always paint around growing up and I would spray paint the car or I don't know, my motorbike or just bits and pieces just because, you know, all the equipment was right there. It's like, all right, cool. I uh, got this bike and now I'm going to make it black. Did you ever put um, flames on the side of your car? Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely put flames on a few of my cars. Yeah. Skull and crossbones <laughs> on the bonnet or? Uh, yes, but that was on the car. I was actually driving on the road. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think when I met Callum, I had a big skull on my bonnet. <laughs> I had a lot of really shit cars that I just never really cared what happened to them. It was just like, yeah, that's I, my theory of cars of, you know, um, just drive them into the ground. I never buy good cars because it's just, you know, for a thousand bucks, you can get a car that's going to last you a year. I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. yeah. I've always had a, um, like a lifelong dream, not a lifelong dream, but it's, it's something I've been thinking about for years. And it's always, I've always wanted a shitty van, but one that gets bombed on the street, like one yeah. that, that's like parked in a prime location and just all the riders in town <laughs> hit all the time. And, um, and if, it, and if no one's touching it for a while, you get your mates to do something on it. And you know what I mean? Like that, you, you see them all over Europe and you don't really see that many of them in, in Melbourne. Yeah. But, um, but it's like, you know, it's, it came from just being in, in Europe and seeing the vans that were just absolutely hammered and. I thought, I want to own one of them one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd actually be rad. Yeah, just yeah. get like a good good van. Was like, but you need something that sets it off to show it's intentional or whatever. Like, you just let it get smashed and then you put like really nice wheels on it. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. You know, just let it look kind of, this car's almost abandoned. It's got shitty wheels. It's got one flat tire and then it just starts to get smashed. And then... You know, you, you fix it up just a little bit, but don't take off any of the tags. Yeah. You know, you put a new trim on it or whatever, like, that'll look amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I've always thought, though, I bet you, you know, you let one of your friends paint it and they treat it like a legal wall and they make yeah. it look shit because yeah. it looks like too permission. No. Like, you, know, you know what I mean? you got yeah. to have it looking raw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So what, um, so you were studying graphic design yeah. and we... Were you into street art while you were studying graphic design or was it something you discovered when, once you came to Melbourne? Um, I think what happened was I actually started graphic design back in Geelong. Like I wasn't you know, good enough to get into a university course. I just went to TAFE. Um, and at TAFE, I met this guy who grew up in uh, near Frankston and he moved down to Geelong to do the TAFE design course. Uh, same as Matt Sims and he was into all this tagging and stuff and you know, like oh yeah that's kind of cool all this you know scribble over your your books and all the stuff and like it just sounded really interesting to me I knew nothing about it and you know like I think of his style now it's quite a classic um you know Melbourne 90s style um like big E on the end um you know it's like it starts small and gets bigger it's kind of it has that funnel kind of style and but he was kind of my introduction to the idea of like, like before that I probably thought it was like an underground cult of graffiti artists and like you had to be part of this club or like it's like no nah, anyone can do this you just pick up a can or a marker and you, you start painting and I think once I started travelling to Melbourne um, there was the train lines and I would see all the stuff on the west side of the city a lot of um 70k then all the bone stuff yeah you know like 
and I don't know how you'd describe bones work. And like, I didn't know it was bones until probably years after that, because it's just so abstract. Um, you know, you, you just start to recognize work for its style. It's like, oh, there's that guy again. It's like, I don't know what the hell it says, but I'd start to recognize styles and like different artists. And like, it just became that kind of interest. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, I don't know, you start to get that, I don't know, the itch or the kind of, the taste of, taste for it. Yeah. Know? It's interesting that you said you weren't good enough to get into the, uh, the uni. Yeah, graphic design because I was exactly the same. Yeah, like I was work. You know, I was working in. Um, I was working as a chef and absolutely hated it. Yeah, and then I was over in London working for a skateboard company, just packing boxes, and I was like, "Man, I gotta gotta sort my life out," you know. So I applied for graphic design courses, and I couldn't get into uni. I could only get into TAFE, and even then, it was just like, mm, "We'll see, we'll see." And um, it's weird because like I eventually did the uni after TAFE like I do like this little scholarship thing yeah and I did that yeah and I realized I'm going to going to uni and realize that in the uni it's just all international students that's why they don't want you going because they're not gonna, they're not, not gonna yeah, get as much like, cash out of you you know, you know yeah <laughs> but I felt I had the same experience yeah. and like I never want to discredit you know any international students and yeah like, but they are paying full rates and yeah. if I had a business that that would be the people I'd want to go become oh, yeah. a business it's like um, like a hundred, like a, it's like yeah. ten times the price or whatever, at least yeah. probably even more. But yeah, I did two years at TAFE, so I already had let's say two years of not not experience but knowledge, and then I went into that course, and I felt that I was being pulled back so far by students who were straight out of high school or. English second language and they're trying and they're struggling in these programs that I'm kind of you know two years fluent in and it's like it just meant I had to help other people and so I wasn't learning things mm. and it's like this isn't why I came here and I got offered a job and I left and I got offered a job because someone had seen the stencil work I'd been putting up at skate parks and they tracked me down and it's like it's like they offered me a job at a skate company. I was like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Work for a skate company doing graphic design. It's like, so I left. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what um, got me into graphic design. I was working for a skate company in, in the UK for, uh, for New Deal. And I was um, living with one of the guys that was a graphic designer there. And I'd go chat to him in the office and stuff and see him working on stuff on the computer, doing graphics and stuff. And I'd be like, man. I want to do that. Yeah, that's cool. It's like you, you see people wearing yeah. your shirt or yeah, yeah. people are skating on like a yeah. board you design. That's amazing. Yeah. It's like, fuck packing boxes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did, you know, I've done um, shit jobs. I've done waitering. Like that pretty much got me through university and the end of high school. I did, I think as soon as I was legally allowed to work, you know, 15 even when I was 14, I was going in there, my mom doing like, I guess, work experience as a, my mom was a waitress and, you know, I was working with her doing like breakfast shifts and, you know, eventually they started giving me like five bucks here and there and, you know, I started to get my own shifts and I did that for maybe eight years, you know, just kind of, that was my income as a student or, you know, just the way to get by, yeah, probably from when I was 
15 to 22 at least. Yeah. Gee, that's it's always been my greatest fear is carrying a tray of drinks. Oh yeah. It's the one thing. It's like I, I just watch people do it. Go fuck. How do you do that? Like really confidently. It's so like it's, it's like one thing. It's like. When I'm carrying a tray of drinks, you can just hear the rattles everywhere, yeah. you know? I'm double-handed, shitting myself. <laughs> it's still, like, one of the worst jobs I've had, just, like, the pressure you have of working really hard and the customer's always there. Like, I've done shitty labour construction jobs as well for a short time and, like, when you do something hard there, it's like, you kind of like, Phew, all right, cool, we're just, like have a little minute here or maybe we'll get some more guys to help or um, like you do something really hard like you know carry like a ton of stuff upstairs you like you'll sit down for a minute but you kind of you carry 15 slabs out of the basement up to the bar and it's like you gotta be smiling the whole time because mm. you're kind of like you're serving people or something like that in a restaurant and yeah it's just I don't know, and you're in like a, I was wearing like a vest and everything, like it was a really <laughs> fancy restaurant for a while, so yeah, that sucked. <laughs> and so I've got a lot of respect for people who work in hospitality, it's like, it's a really hard job and you got to be, like you can't have a bad day. No. Yeah, you can't, you know, do that. Yeah, I had plenty of bad days in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, getting back to your artwork. Yeah. So what, what made you decide to paint the female faces? Um, it started with, um, uh, I guess, you know, the the general thing I tell people, it's my idea of, you know, everything that I was doing and all my friends are doing is this, you know, graffiti is, you know, it's basically a ego-driven um, idea where, you know, you're putting your name up or your logo or your moniker and, you, don't know who that is. Um, you're putting your identity up there, um, just to kind of say I was here and stuff like that. And it's this really macho-driven thing, and like the stuff you put up is like, well, what we'll put on is like something quite aggressive. You know, you look at um, LA graffiti; it's like you know the thing looks like a weapon. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's super aggressive and, um, Sink from the studio was putting up this, um, screaming Dracula face. And so, and it was this nice square paste up and I was like, all right, cool. I wanted to do something that was complimenting his, but it's like, it's like so far away from that. And it's like this, um, you know, this female portrait, it was you know, someone describes like a calming beauty and it's like it's not um, in your face like graffiti usually is but it's placed in those places like I put it up quite aggressively yeah um, but it's such a kind of delicate image and I don't know the way that kind of stood out from a lot of the noise and stuff like that where you know everything's kind of um, so aggressive I think made it stand out and that's what I really kind of loved in the way that those I guess like as they would kind of crumble or there would be a tag over or they would get ripped and especially because of paste ups they just like decay and fall away but it still hold the beauty in it like you just still get parts of the eyes or something and I don't know that was something really I don't know that kind of captivated me about that and it just just 
ever since been exploring that idea, kind of inspired about how, what happens to my work after that and, you know, those little nuances, yeah. So I've noticed as well with your current work, you do work with the wall a lot. You use, you use transparency with the paint, like you water it down and yeah. um, you let the wall speak as a colour instead of, so most people just paint the wall out and it's like I'm making this, this colour, that that colour where where you actually work with the texture and the, the colour of the wall and yeah, it's really it, interesting. Like, it doesn't always work out, like, um, you know, you don't always get to pick the walls you paint in a sense. Um, you might just show up the spot for someone and say, all right, cool, we're, we're painting here. But, you know, when I've got a choice and I can pick a wall and, like, there's a wall that's already got so much flavor or texture or character to it, um, you know, that, that wall's already got a story and, you know, whether it's just the windows in it or the pipes and there's just um, the old bricks and that, and leaving that as part of the work kind of gives it a new dimension. And for me, it kind of, I don't know, just to kind of push and pull from those textures and use that as the work. I don't know. It um, takes a lot of the work out for me. It's like, all right, cool. The background's done. Or like all that kind of beauty that's already on the wall. Um, you know, now I get to use that and it makes my job so much easier but like when I've got just a plain blank white wall it's like uh the, the, those are the ones I really struggle with yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting because it's, it's weird because a lot of people will think that that's what they want that's yeah like perfect you know yeah it's like look at this shitty textured wall I can't work with that you know it's like that whereas yeah like I think one of my you know favorite walls but it was also in the hardest to paint was the one of, it was just a wall of broken windows oh, is that the one in Geelong yeah the one in Geelong yeah. it's like I heard about actually through Lush told me he's like oh yeah there's this thing blah 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 and so like, oh, can you send me some photos the wall walls and it's like and it's like oh there's the backside but the backside is just all kind of broken windows and like can I paint over them like will they let me paint over the broken windows and like, yeah if you want <laughs> no one else wants to paint there and it was like I don't even know if I can paint on glass but yeah, just the effect of just having those broken windows, like it became almost a, a sculpture in a sense, you know, it's like you can never get that on a wall, like a flat wall. It's like the painting itself isn't fantastic, but the surface is, you know, and just like trying to capture that. Like I, I kind of love the wall as it was, just like broken windows, classic, you know, abandoned warehouse. But once you kind of, you know, put something like really beautiful on there and kind of like have that, working with it and say like it's to make something that's so industrial feel delicate yeah yeah because i saw the video of it on your website and yeah. they um and it's you see it and you go oh that's really cool but then when you see the people walking at the bottom you just go fucking hell that's massive yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's huge yeah. thanks uh thanks ben for that video yeah yeah <laughs> so um how do you go about uh choosing your subjects um I've changed over the years, like, when I first started, I was like, all right, cool, I like this image, I found it in a magazine, I want to turn it into a stencil, um, <laughs> uh, but once I got to a stage where I, I, I think, I didn't have my first solo exhibition until 2010, um, but once I got to a stage where it's like, all right, cool, I'm going to make you know works that 
from these images that I'm actually going to sell. Like I had, I was making work with the intent to make money off it. I was like, I'm not going to take anyone else's images and sell it. But you know, when you're doing stuff on the street where you're not making money off it, you're kind of doing it just for the fun and the experience and just to be out there um, doing stuff. It was like, I wasn't really conscious of that or just like, ah, uh, it's kind of, you know, take them images that inspired me and it's like but I think this would look cool on the street but now it's like all right cool I'm going to take images and I might put them on the street but also I'm going to put them on canvas and sell them so I kind of want to to really own that um so that's when I started working with real models you know and at first um had some friends who are photographers to help me work you know how to get an awesome photo of a model to work with from a reference but um, my wife works in fashion, so she, you know, I guess she had um, her finger on the pulse as far as um, modeling agencies and um, what models were around in Melbourne and that would kind of be interested in what's happening, well, what I'm doing. And now it's a lot easier because I've got a, a bit of a catalogue of work it's easy to approach, but in the beginning, it was a lot harder. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. I just want to take some photos of you and make some art with it. And, you know, it's like it's a really awkward conversation to have with someone if you don't have anything to show them. But now, as you know, I've worked with quite a few different models over the years, but um, as I've been traveling more, it's like, it doesn't feel right to go paint. Um, you know, a Caucasian girl in an area that's like in Tokyo. Yeah. You know, it just didn't feel right. So, all right, cool. We've got to start painting something that reflects the culture there. So that's a whole new element. And I wasn't really confident in doing it for a long time as well. So that was more a, a challenge. Like, all right, I got to take this photo today on the fly, um, draw it up and then paint it the next day. It was like, I definitely wasn't, I couldn't do that at the beginning. It's like I needed to, to do a few test paintings, a few studies, and just like uh, really have them kind of captured their look. It's not right. Like I'm starting to be able to do it now, but that's kind of, I don't know, taking a lot of practice to say I can take someone's photo and then paint them immediately. That's, um, I don't know, that kind of held me back for a few years so now it's like if I go somewhere I try and paint someone local if it's possible unfortunately it's not always like I went out to Nashville a couple of months ago and I landed and started painting it was you know and the wall was gigantic and um to take that risk on someone it's like oh to expect to find the perfect subject um as soon as I landed, that was too much of a risk. So there's like the two and the throw there. But um, yeah, if I can travel and paint people locally, that's what I'll try and do. Yeah. Because it must be pretty daunting showing up in the city and they're just like, ta-da, there's your big wall to paint. And, yeah. um, you know, do you have like a formula worked out or... Of how to paint? Of how, or... to, how to paint. Like say you're like, oh, okay, I've got the wall. I've got I've got the, the image I'm going to paint. Yeah. Um. You know, because like I just think, you know, going because I see, I see photos of you on these like like cherry pickers, and you're four stories up, and there's yeah. like no way that you can work out 
where you're at. Yeah, you know, where you're at. You don't want to, you don't want to like, you know, you paint them back. and put the, the eyes a bit low and all that and make them look like, you know, the, the, the guy from the Goonies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the core, but it's like, I tried everything. Like when I, you know, I started from stenciling and, um, you don't know how that works. You cut a hole and you spray through it. Um, and then trying to start to freehand paint things, um, you know, I, I developed that from stenciling where I'd like, I'd put the stencil down and then I'd just render part of it. And then I was starting to do stencils that were so big, it was kind of stupid to cut them out. So I was like, oh, I might as well just kind of paint the solid black bits in. But I'd do that by either, I think originally I'd try the grid or project. And projecting's a fucking nightmare. Like you, you have to be at night, you have to be able to get back far enough from the wall, there can't be any street lights, you can't have anyone knock the projector, you need a projector powerful enough to go across the whole wall, and then your wall is like really long, so you have to stitch it together. Um, like I've seen people have their projectors rained on, um, and with their laptop, I guess someone get a new laptop just like filled with water, mm. because of the storm just rolled in, just destroyed everything. Um, and, you know, I almost have a bit of respect for the people who are doing projecting because it's like, there's a lot of fucking around you have to do yeah. to make that happen. Like, it's a, it's actually a lot more work than what I think I often do. It's like... Because it's funny because people, yeah. people will see people projecting and go, oh, they're cheating. Yeah, like, like people like, see it as cheating, but it's like... Yeah. There's some things it's like, well, if you're painting like perfect straight letters and type and stuff like that it's like you might as well just project it out and kind of get the all your spacing and coding mm -hmm. it's like yeah is that solved and like the art's actually in like the way you kind of yeah. paint it you gotta um, measure it anyway yeah you gotta measure it anyway yeah, yeah. and so it's just it's just a different tool um so what's your what's your so, trick so what i do is i just take a so after i've tried all these things and failed but um what i worked out is that I just, you know, I have my image that I want to paint and then I'll put that over the top of a photo of the wall I want to paint, which is like a straight overlay. And especially with these walls we're talking about with all the texture, it's kind of like, they're all the reference points. So that big crack up in the top left corner, end of the crack, all right, that's where the eyebrow starts. And then it kind of goes over it and it starts at where the, that little kind of hole or divot in the wall is. And kind of you join those two dots and it's much faster than using a grid system because like all right cool the eye starts at um three squares across and three squares down um but is it three squares down at the top line or three squares down the bottom line and you recount it and because every square looks the same yeah and to do a straight line across a wall that's up you know, six meters in the air, where you actually you need two ladders or two scissor lifts and people holding it at each end and someone in the middle to flick it. It's actually, that's a lot of work Yeah. to put all the string lines up and kind of work out grids like that. Like once you get above standing height, a grid's, you know, you can waste a day putting a grid in. Yeah, yeah. But just like using the wall itself as a reference. But if, I, but if the wall's clean and white, I'll actually, I'll just scribble some lines on the wall 
Or am I even kind of like, alright, cool, I know, like, there should be an eye here, and there should be, you know, the hair is going to be over here, so I'll just kind of scribble in those areas more, and then I'll overlay my photo, and I'll notice, like, alright, cool, there's enough reference points there. It's like, and one area that might be, like, the side cheeks, so, alright, I don't need too many reference points here, so I'll only put, like, one or two lines, and that's it, yeah. Yeah. But askew does Genius. a similar thing. With all these colours in the background of yeah. the portraits. Okay, yeah. So he, he puts all those down and overlays his photo and yeah. like that gives him his reference points. Yeah. I didn't so I didn't get a chance to, didn't get a yeah. chance to chat to him about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. so I think like he yeah. developed that on his own and I think a few people now are starting to do some of the things. I think Adnate does the same thing and um, some other guys in the US and uh, some people I've showed it to, it's like, ah, they were doing a similar thing, but what they'll do, they'll take a photo of the wall and then get like a a whiteboard style marker and do a sketch on their phone. Okay. Like literally on the glass of their phone. Yeah. And it's like, that'll give them their, their scale or proportion. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, like, it was overlaid on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. But you can do it. Just using like an you know an app that does like a double exposure or yeah, yeah. overlay and it's like yeah you just do it on your phone these days it's Mate, everyone's gonna be doing it now secrets out oh yeah you know? it's fine it's like yeah. you know once you kind of work that out but like it's not like easy but it makes it a lot easier yeah, yeah. so do you um do you remember the first time you made money off your artwork um. I don't, like, maybe, because, like, I had two streams of income, like, I didn't, like, I think I sold a few works before 2010, um, but it was more, like, group shows and stuff like that, that I wasn't trying to make money out of my artwork. Yeah. Like, I not avoided it, but... I was lucky enough to have a job working for that skate company and then I started doing freelance graphic design and I was, you know, quite successful there but, you know, I was working from Everfresh Studio as a freelance designer um, so I didn't have to rely or put the pressure on my artwork um, but I think, you know, I had a maybe like the first time I sold something I vaguely remember like, I think the first show I was in was at the Vic Bar or something like that and I might have sold a stencil work and I didn't consider it as a a possibility of like oh as a career as well like, oh cool it's cool that someone liked that and they wanted to keep it um but I would have been kind of just as flattered to know that someone's peeled off one of my stickers not in hate, but because they wanted to keep it. So that's kind of just as cool. Um, but, you know, over the years, I got so many requests for canvases or commissions and stuff like that. And it's like, all right, cool, I want to do my own show. Um, and I think once I had my show, I was, I was lucky that I was really successful. I was like, all right, cool, I'm just dropping all my <laughs> freelance clients. And um, I was in a pretty lucky position. I could kind of fade them out. I didn't have to quit a job in a sense, but I had a almost like a, a safety net of uh, if this doesn't work out, I can always go back and start working for these clients again. And yeah, so didn't have to kind of like 
walk out of a job. Yeah. Yeah. So even still to this day, you've got your um, you got your your safety net still sitting there, or yeah. Or you... well, I don't know. I don't think like it's been since two thousand ten. 11 mm. yeah so it's been quite a few years now that i've done any shit it's 2006 right so yeah did i have my first show in 2010 yeah so good five years i haven't done any design work yeah um which you know really lucky that's been the case um but you know if all of a sudden um yeah, I'll be happy to go do design work again. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of like, I didn't really hate that work. It's kind of, it's kind of good. It's like, you could be creative, but you didn't like, I was, I never told my clients what I did outside of, you know, their work in a sense. Um, I wasn't kind of selling myself as this identity of Roan or do street art and now I can do kind of cool art for your t-shirts and shit and, it was more like, oh yeah, cool. I've got a folio of graphic art stuff and whatever you want, I can probably make it and you put on a t-shirt and put your cool logo on it and if you're going to print it on pink or, I don't know, like get it made poorly, like that wouldn't reflect on me. It was just, um, or it didn't matter what department store they did it in and or what product they put it on. So I got paid for my graphic art and it wasn't, you know, it kind of like if they came back and criticized the work, I didn't take it personally because it's like it's not my work in a yeah. sense. And I think it was great to have my work separate from that. Like even now, it's like when people ask me to put stuff on a T-shirt or something like that, I was like, oh, no, it's like I don't want my work to be disposable. I'm really funny about that like because I've done so much disposable work and I see where it ends up and... It's fine if I'm kind of getting paid for it as a graphic artist, but I don't want to be paid for it when it's kind of, you know, the work's more personal to me. Mm. Yeah. It's a real valid point. Like, I always um, think about that when I see artists put their names to big brands. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, hang on, but that guy, now you're gonna, always going to see, or that guy or girl, you're always going to see their, especially if they're just like, uh, they've got a distinctive style where it's like one main image and it might change a bit, but it's like, yeah. you know, predominantly just one thing that they paint over and over again. Yeah. And then they go put a massive brand name to it. It's like, hang on, you're always going to be that guy to that brand now. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I remember, I think Futura had a problem with Zoo York doing yeah. that to him, you know. He designed like a board and they said, oh, we'll do a board and a t-shirt and that. And then they did jackets and... Biggest one I think it is... Um, everything, you know. She won. Yeah. Remember She won stuff? And, yeah. Um, and I can't remember the brand, but it was just... She won's work was all over it and yeah. know, I'm sure they looked after him, but uh, like people associate his work with that brand. Yeah. Know. It's good that I can't remember it because... Yeah. Like, I don't have that association anymore, which yeah. is, is good. Um, yeah, but, yeah, a... exactly that was happening a lot, and I didn't want that to happen with my artwork. I didn't want it to be anyone else's identity but my own. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, because, like, um, at the moment, just down the road from my house, there's a uh, there's a chemist, and they've got a big campaign in the window for Mr. Andre's stuff. I think he's done, a, a, like, a fragrance for a company, for a oh, yeah. company. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the guy from Paris. Yeah. yeah. 
But then, but then it's like, hang on, isn't he the the vodka guy? Yeah, <laughs> doesn't like, he do vodka? Yeah, yeah. He, I think he's just, um, I think he's just does whatever, you know. Yeah, he's, he's someone <laughs> I've never met, and I don't know anyone who's actually met him. But he yeah. sounds really interesting. Yeah. Um, I've got his book called, I think it's called Love Graffiti. Yeah. Ever seen that? No, I haven't. Um, picked it up a long time ago. And it was a really awesome concept. Um, and it's almost something that Lush is doing now, where you would write to him or you'd pay him, and he would write your girlfriend's name on the streets of Paris. Isn't that what Tilt did? But yeah, no, this is Andre. Andre? Okay. I think they're from the same city then, right? Uh, Both from friend. Paris? No, no, they're I think Tilt's from Leon or something. Oh, no, no they're both from I don't know, I don't want to, they're, they're yeah, French. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> might, they might have both been doing it, and I don't know who did it first, but yeah, it's called Love Graffiti. Yeah. I'll show it to you later. It's um, it's it's a great thing. It's like, it's quite old now, yeah. but it's just like, yeah, cool. It's like, it'll have the girlfriend's name. It's like, then there's a photo of it, like, you just bomb that girlfriend's name, like, big love heart in the middle of it yeah. on the streets of Paris. It's like, I wish I did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so... I don't know, like, graph ro- romantic on, like, yeah. so many different levels. <laughs> yeah. So, I know Tilt was doing um, throw-ups of girls' names everywhere. And he was... But I think there were girls that he was shacking up with. Because there's also... He had the book where he was drawing on all the girls in Posca. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, no, this is like, you you paid him and he did it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, not a bad little moneymaker. Yeah. I Unless you I... get busted, you know, pay, pay all the money. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think for in, in Paris, it's pretty... Uh, yeah. Pretty loose over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you are, uh, like, a funny coincidence between you and I, we've got the same um, same account. <laughs> Which, uh, did you, yeah, via letter. Oh, I don't anymore. Don't you? That's another story. Oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> I was going to say, she's awesome. Did she, like, talk you into becoming a, a full-time artist? Like, um, did she say, look, you, you can flick the switch on this and you can claim all this stuff? Because she's always been pretty good at that, like telling you exactly what you can claim. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was good. Um, is she going to listen to this? Oh, no, I don't want to. No, don't, don't badmouth her. She's still my accountant. Yeah, I might, I might have to skip this. Yeah, I'll, 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 talk to you about I'll it later. Talk, yeah, talk to you about it later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> Let's see what else I got here it's, on this. It's a longer story. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll uh, we'll save it for um, a bit. It's beer boring. Afterwards. It involves tax. <laughs> ah, yeah. Fuck that. No one wants to listen to that shit. Um. So anyway, like with um, you're always jet setting around the world, painting murals. Like every time, I, every time it I go to catch way. up with you, yeah. it's like, oh, where's Rowan? Oh, he's over in this country or that country, yeah. and I've even been overseas. And you're like, ta-da, I'm here. You know, yeah. it's like bloody hell. I'm drinking in a bar with you in some random country. You know. Um, like with, with those projects, do you, do you get paid to travel a lot? Um, no, like, I don't know. I had this conversation with like Fibs, um, and you know, he said he wanted to travel more and like, how do I get on these lineups for these festivals or whatever? It's like, just, just buy a ticket, man. And say you come in and they might put you on the roster and that's often, not that I was rocking out to festivals, but it was like, um, I was just traveling anyway. Um, and if they know you're kind of 
in the US at that time. They don't have to fly out from Australia because it's an expensive ticket from Australia. Um, so most of these festivals, like at best, they will pay for my flights and put me up somewhere and um, they'll throw a few parties and you might get a few free drinks. Um, but most of them don't have an artist fee. There's like no money and there's a couple starting now um, that are offering, you know, small artist fees, which, you know, might be a thousand bucks here or there, which is fantastic. You know, it's just something. Um, it kind of, it can justify the time away from the studio where you kind of, you might be working on a canvas, which you sell and you make money. Um, but if you can get away from like leaving all that when you, it's like, it actually costs you money to go away. So, you know, a thousand dollars might just balance that and that's kind of great. Um, but it's still not like I've had cases where, um, you find out that the festival, like there was one in particular that I didn't go to because I found out that, oh, my wall's actually on the side of a, a shopping center like a multinational kind of corporation that are sponsoring the festival based on the fact that I was going to give them a mural on the side of it. And I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to paint there. It's like, oh, no, you really need to paint there because we said you'd paint there. It's like, I'm not painting there unless they're paying me to paint there. And then I find out, like, the festival's getting a bunch of money for me to paint there. It's like, but I'm not getting paid. Mm. Or I'm getting paid, like, a... A twentieth of that. Yeah. So it's, it's like, like you're, uh, you're funding the festival. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, that's not really right. Like, I've done commercial work as well, where I have painted for a shopping center, and they pay me really well. But that's not, you know, that's not the stuff you know, that people see online. And like, oh, that looks awesome that he painted that shopping center. I'm like, no one really cares about that. You know, it's, mm. like, it's more exciting when I go into. Um, somewhere totally random or you know another country and it's just like I could paint the side of a little shack and that's more exciting than painting the you know 10 stories of a supermarket you know no mm. really it's like, yeah, there's nothing romantic about that um, yeah. so but the way I make you know an income is selling a lot of canvas works or prints and the way I sell those is because people have seen the walls I've done internationally and like one feeds the other so you know if i get a chance to travel somewhere it's like and paint something exciting i know that people are probably going to take a photo of it and it'll populate online and build that you know a new following um so there's like weighing things up like yeah i'll go do that for free because that's a great you know exposure for me that um but, you know, you got to kind of sometimes check underneath the rug, just, like, make sure, like, what, why, like, who's actually funding it? Like, yeah, to ask that question, like, all right, who's actually paying for this? Like, I saw one recently where um, a friend's painting on a wall and they've got, like, a, a branded logo hanging off their... their um, you know, cherry picker or whatever. And it's like, like oh, I'm sure that company put money in towards it, but did they ask the artist if they could do that? And is the artist getting paid for that? And it's like, 
that like if they pulled that on me I'd be quite upset about it it's like uh it's like wearing a McDonald's logo on your head. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like all of a sudden like, I don't want to be, you know, associated with that brand without knowing mm. about it. And yeah. Like, but, you know, to complain about being flown around the world to do things you love, mm. you know, looks pretty stupid as well. It's like, so you, you kind of, sometimes you just suck it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's like, what's the biggest wall you've painted? Um... Nashville was close, but I think the biggest one was still the one in Melbourne and Collins Street, which was like mm, nine stories. I think yeah. like it was 120 foot lift. Yeah, that was definitely the biggest, and it was almost as wide as it was tall. Yeah, yeah that. Wait, I haven't seen that me. yet. Which yeah. end of Collins Street is it? It's gone. They demolished it. it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but that's almost why they they let me paint it. Like it, it's. Like when I got it, it's like right across the road from like um, Prada and that. It was in that gap. You know? Yeah, it's like that little gap between the two buildings. Yeah, yeah. So I was in there, and so that's that's an interesting. So like, so I got approached because they were going to do a little. They're going to demolish the building, but before they're doing that, they're doing a little pop up taco truck called Coffee Joint in there, and they're doing it quite. Um, high-end you know it's Collins Street and they're like we want like you know something to go above these taco truck container booths um you know they kind of indicate it's almost just like you know a little rainbow arc of kind of some cool street art and I'm like okay cool and then when I, I worked out which wall it was you know they just kind of gave me an address and was talking about it and then I just go kind of paint the whole thing top to bottom and they're like oh well um it's you know we only can't well people can't step back far enough from it to see the whole thing i'm like yeah but if i paint the whole thing like you're right in the middle of downtown you see all those massive buildings everyone in all those buildings will see it um and they're like oh yeah cool and they they got it through council because it was going to be demolished anyway. So if there's any real problem, it was gone in six months. Um, and they let me do it. But the thing was like, the budget was the budget and I had to work it out. So it was a good budget. It was 10 grand. Oh, okay. and it's like when people come to you and like, they want something like that for like 10 grand. It's like, yeah. But then, um, it cost me nine and a half to do it. Like the lift was, $1,200 a day. I did go do a, um, like an exam and a training course to operate the lift. I had to shut down the traffic on Exhibition Street and um, Collins Street to get the lift in. I had to bring the lift in over from Perth because it wasn't big enough. Couldn't drive it in certain ways because it had like a five ton limit and it was like a 21 ton lift. Like the logistics on it itself there was no way it was actually going to happen until like we got it in there and then I was like oh fuck now I have to paint it <laughs> at this moment I was like it's never going to happen we'll try and make it happen that's like that was like flipping a coin it's like it might happen we're going to try and make it happen they're just like yeah like once we got the lift in and kind of they kind of shut off the security gates and I was there and I had all these people helping me sort it out and I was like then I realized, like, oh, I'm on my own. I have to paint that. 
<laughs> and like everyone left. I was like, yeah, yeah. that's it. Like six thirty in the morning. It's like like that. Like that was just daunting to start that thing. It's yeah. like, oh my god. Yeah. How, how are you with heights now? Because if you're on a nine story scissor lift, I mean, or yeah. cherry picker um, or whatever you're on, you know, it's fucking little, just a tiny platform to be so high it, up. It's like a walking the plank, you know. I don't know. Like you, so. you don't. Think about it, like, yeah, it is scary. Like, I've had a few moments where you, you hold on, like, you feel the wind coming, and um, a much longer story is a guy I know who actually, his whole lift blew over in Amsterdam. Wow. Yeah. And, like, that, like, that shit does really happen. Yeah. Um, and he couldn't work for a year after that. So, yeah, you do get scared, but... Oh, man. Like, it's yeah, horrible. like, it's a horror story. Um, but I don't know, like, what's scarier? Like, when I was painting that Collins Street one, and I was having some real moments there, it's like, I can't fucking do this. You know, like halfway through it, and it's not working out. And you're like, you're not scared of falling. You're like, you're scared of having a nine story fuck up in the middle of your hometown. Like, yeah. that's way scarier. Yeah. That's, like, to put your name to, like, a giant fuck-up. Like, yeah, I'd rather fall a couple of stories from that lift, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I might just break some arms or something like that. But, yeah, just to be known for that nine-story fucking monstrosity, you know? Like, this thing that's kind of got, like, two eyes going different directions. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot scarier yeah. nine story uh, <laughs> yeah. cockeyed girl yeah like uh, yeah like the pressure of that is uh, yeah like, and when they said yes I'm just like hey, they're like you can do that it's like yeah of course I can do that it's like I'd done something like maybe four stories but I'd never done something that was nine stories like but they didn't know that you know that was fine and I didn't know it until I'd done it either it's like yeah but now I was like yeah I can do that yeah. look, look good to me are you happy with the outcome <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was, I was, it was, it was an insane rush to the end. I was doing like 16 hour days, finished on Sunday and flew out on Monday. Mm. Like I, I don't even remember what I flew to, but like I went out to, where was my London exhibition? Yeah. Maybe an exhibition in London was like something I couldn't miss. Yeah. And like I couldn't afford to get painting it. Yeah. Like once I went over, I think seven days it was like yeah cool all the money's gone yeah it was that too yeah, yeah. did you get some um, good photos from the buildings around town or? yeah I got some amazing photos and like that was it like the press and the images I got out of it um you know that was worth a lot more than 10 grand yeah. um you know somehow it was like total fluke where you know the seven news or someone picked up on it and they happen to have like a chopper in the sky for some other thing. So they got like a chopper shot from up high. It's like, you know, it was like 90 second primetime TV kind of clip on it. It's like, I don't know what a company would pay for that. Like the value of having that um, is huge. You know, it's like, um, you know, made yeah. mum proud Yeah, <laughs> and stuff like that. Actually, I think there was a moment where, like this, you know, going back to family and stuff like that, like explaining what you do. And my mom always told me that, you know, I should go back and finish uni just in case I need to get a real job at any point. Um, she didn't even understand the freelance in design thing, but 
there's a moment where there's an article in not even like the age it's like the local rag down in Geelong and my grandma got a copy of it and it clicked for her yeah and like my grandma's in a retirement village and she saw me in the newspaper and that authenticated it for me and it's yeah. like you know I've been all around the world doing all these amazing things and you know I've told her stuff and it's like but when she saw I'd done something in Geelong and it got in the local paper she was just like over the moon <laughs> just like that was it like I think it's because she could show her friends and like it it made it real for her yeah yeah and that was like yeah it's kind of cool like yeah. it authenticates it to people yeah yeah it's weird the sort of things you can do to make the biggest accomplishments but um it's the small things that people go, oh, you're a proper celebrity now. You're like, yeah. like I, um, I got some mates that work on building sites and all that. And, um, <laughs> you know, you know, Vox Pop in the Herald Sun, yeah, where they yeah. ask people questions on the street. Yeah. They had a guy on site and he'd been in Vox Pop three times <laughs> and they all called him Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It's like, yeah. mate, this guy is like a celebrity. He's in the, he's in the sun every other week. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, with, um, like you, cause you do exhibitions and you do your large murals and you do your prints and yeah and all that type of stuff. Like if, if you could only be remembered for one of them, like one medium, like which, which medium would it be? Um, uh, I guess it's, you know, end of the day, it's probably the murals, but they only live on in photographs as well. Like, yeah. Um, but, you know, I really love some of my canvas works where, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. It's like the canvas works where you can be a lot more personal, you know, um, whereas like when you're painting on the street, you have a, like I feel that you have an obligation to um, the community that you're painting in um, whereas you don't have that on a canvas. Yeah. Um, you know, like the traditional graffiti idea, you know, it's straight about me and, you know, it's, it's kind of fuck you kind of attitude. But once you start to kind of get to a scale when you're taking out, you know, a city block and that's affecting a lot more people and it's there for a lot longer than, you know, a piece or a tag might be it's like uh you gotta like you start to have that dialogue with people literally on the street and um like you realize you're affecting their community and um so for me like sometimes like uh, i can be a bit more expressive on a canvas but i think you know i'm probably going to be more remembered for the mural stuff just because yeah the scale of it and the impact it might have yeah. to like a canvas is only going to impact you know the couple of people who might see it in the gallery and yeah. you know the person who buys it mm. but when you can have an impact on like a whole community that's kind of incredible to say you've done that yeah, yeah. totally and if it was um if it was like one exhibition or like art sale or or interview or or was there anything like that that like one thing that propelled your career to like stepped it up like 10 notches um i don't know yeah that's that's a really good question like you know i've done things that are like i did a show like it was part of a show for the 
the National Gallery of Victoria, and that was in collaboration with like Jean Paul Gaultier. And I got to paint, you know, like all these famous supermodels and Kylie Minogue and stuff like that, and do all that officially. But um, I don't think that um, was my biggest leg up either. You know, it's like it kind of gave me a good like authentication stamp from an institution, but it, it had, didn't had the names attached to it. Yeah, Gaultier like, and National yeah, Gallery and yeah, stuff exactly. like that. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, I don't know, like some of the most amazing experiences I've had painting. Yeah, actually, I talk about this. I uh, painted in Vanuatu, Kellum. We had this, um, I don't know, it's like a family holiday. We didn't go there to paint. We went there with our friends and their kids and stuff like that. And it was like six of us. And it was like, I've spotted this wall and it's like, ah. Oh, we will ask them if we can paint it, and we we did. We ended up painting this wall, and they were stoked. And it was like this. Um, the whole community were like watching us. Like this village of people were just kind of like, you know, watching us paint this wall. And we painted like one of the girls from the village on it, and they. Thanks. <laughs> and they, you know. In the end, they were like they, they were helping us while we paint it, and in the end, they asked us to kind of um, stand in in a line, and the community leader like um, thanked us, and then he shook our hands, and then everyone from the community like followed him and shook our hands like two football teams. That was the most amazing experience I've ever had. Like, does this honest like gratitude from this culture that we know nothing about and we kind of just walked in there and kind of painted something because we wanted to paint it um and we weren't asking for anything and i think they get a lot of missionaries trying to push religion onto them and it's like no we just kind of we just like painting stuff and i'm like so grateful for it and like that experience was kind of like um you can't buy that like you can't go on a holiday and go to this island and kind of walk into a community and be thanked and that's kind of what we did uh, that was kind of um, I don't know that was a real kind of priceless experience and like that for me is um, I realized like the power I have of painting and stuff like that it gives me this unique access to the world which other people may not be able to do and it's like so sharing you know part of what's become my culture is like lets me um, get a unique access to other people's culture. Yeah, I've, I've actually had a similar experience. Yeah. And Imagine I know what you do. mean. Yeah. And it's like, it's really enriching. Like, yeah. Like I, I was in Bolivia and I was trying to, um, I was studying uh, Spanish over there. Yeah. And I was in like, I was in uh, a city called Sucre. And there's not many big buildings there or anything like that, but the building I was in was was quite big, you know, a few stories. And um, I remember looking out the window and seeing in the back street, and there was all these like really nice walls there. And I thought, oh, I'm gonna gonna try and paint some of those walls, you know, in between classes. And you know, um, I uh, I I went there after class. I asked someone, "Oh, can I paint your wall?" And they said, "Yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem." Painted their wall. While I painted their walls, the neighbour came out. Oh, can you paint my wall? It's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And they're all in like traditional Bolivian dress, like with the the pig, like with the pigtails and um, 
you know, like their skirts yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And then they all started inviting me into their house and cooking me dinner. And then, uh, and the, everyone in the street wanted their place painted. And this yeah. is a, it's a pretty busy street. It was like a through road. It wasn't <laughs> like, you know, this laneway or anything like yeah. that. And I, I was, I was studying there for like three weeks or something. And I painted every house in the whole street. <laughs> and I had, I had some really weird experiences though. Like, cause they all, like I was going in their houses for lunch yeah. and all that. I had guys like offering me cocaine and all this sort of yeah. stuff. Like, all, all weird things happening. I was just on my own. Which you wouldn't just, expect. No, no, no. It was, it was really weird. And then, um, and then just as I was doing the last one, this lady cornered me in her house. And man, it was just weird. It was like, I was like, I'm glad this is the last house in the street. And she, um, yeah, it's like she was trying it on with me or whatever. And yeah, she was like old and I was like, nah. <laughs> but it was, but it was weird because there was, this, there was this, um, the one wall at the very bottom of the street. Yeah. And that's another thing as well though. I was, I was doing like graffiti pieces and stuff yeah. like that. And I thought, oh no, no, I'll do some characters. No, I can't just have like the name written all over the street. Yeah. It's a bit weird. And then, um. So, yeah, so I, I started doing, like, characters and, like, other things I could paint. Like, think, oh, what else can I paint here? And doing, like, scenes and trying to do, like, more mural stuff. And yeah. it's like, nah, nah, nah. And I'll point to, like, a full graffiti piece and go, I want one of them. <laughs> it's like, it was really weird. <laughs> and at the very bottom of the street, it was at the main intersection of town. Yeah. And I thought there was a one, there's a big white wall there. And it's like, that's the one wall I want to get. <laughs> you yeah, edging the, towards it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was at the side of um, a, a dentist. Yeah, and I thought oh, I'm going to go in and ask him, and I went in there, and I and there was no like waiting room or anything like that. I yeah. sort of walked in the door and I stood there, and there's a um a doctor, I mean a dentist, with a drill in his hand, <laughs> and some poor Bolivian guy in the chair just going, letting <laughs> his teeth drilled. <laughs> he just looked at me, and he goes, you know, he's, you know, he goes, care like in Spanish, yeah. and it's like, oh, I couldn't have said my bad Spanish. Oh, can I paint your wall? And he's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I just go and. Went out there and painted it. You know? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, but it was it was a but like just interacting with the locals and all yeah. that. And I had people like um just coming up to me but buying me beers and just being really uh really warm to me. Yeah. And, you know, everyone was giving me food. Like food was a currency over there. It was just, yeah. Yeah, but I know what you mean. It's like when you're interacting with the locals and you're doing something for them for free and you're not yeah. asking anything of them. Yeah. It's like you know, when they do appreciate it, they really appreciate it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And it's like, and the question always is like, oh, how much does this cost? And it's like, yeah. no, 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 don't worry. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I don't, won't charge you. And they said, but what about the paint? And it's like, no, I'll buy the paint. It's like, you'll buy the paint and you'll paint this for free. It's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you're fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I saw one, you know, Beastman was living in Bali. He painted this awesome wall at the back of this bar. You know, I think it's like a beach bar and, um, yeah, he did it, and I think it was in collaboration with some other guy, and then, you know, nightfall, they kind of went home. The next morning, they go there to take a photo, and the guy that owned the bar had written, uh, I don't know, let's call it, like, Puto's Bar, you know? <laughs> Just, like, with a brush yeah, straight yeah. across the middle of the piece. Yeah. And it was like, oh, well, I guess it is his bar. You know, he can kind of do what he wants with it. But yeah. it just like, he just branded the thing straight away. and just like, oh, I fucked it. Yeah, he's got the fresh background. Though. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh, he appreciated it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'll keep moving on because yeah. we're, 
we're running over time, but there's so many things I want to talk yeah. to you about. So I'm just going to keep going. You know, um, you know. Uh, so you were one of the founding members of the Everfresh crew. Yep. Like, um, how did the crew come about? Because um, I've spoken to Callum about it, and he, I, I saw how he got became part of it. But yeah, it was um, it was Blender closing down in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, Sync knew someone who had a warehouse who who was renting part of a warehouse in Collingwood and there was this other space which wasn't really being used but it was actually used for storage and it was just this shed but it was actually full of like I don't know old washing machines so the deal was like alright cool we hire like a big um, 24 square meter dumpster thing and we throw all this shit out and then we can have that area we cleaned out. And that's how the studio started. It was like, the guys who were in Blender, like, there's kind of, there's almost a divide in Blender of like guys who are doing fine art painting and um, then there's the guys who are doing, you know, street art and graffiti. And I, I understand why. It's like, we, we went there, like, street art and graffiti, is like, it's a social activity, like skateboarding is. Like, you know, there's an art to it, but it's also there's, a huge social component to it. So we would just go there, drink beers, hang out, and then go out and put stuff up in the street. And, like, that was a new idea of a, a studio. It was more of a kind of um, creative clubhouse. But it was a a personal reflection time. It was like, oh, yeah, cool. We just rock up the studio, and you bring beers, and we're going to paint on things. And then we're going to stick them up in the street. And that was our idea of a... Uh, new space and Everfresh itself was just like a sign we found in there because they used to um, make confectionery it's like oh we should call the studio this because it's Everfresh confectionery and everyone's like that is a stupid name <laughs> it's like alright cool you think of something better and now it's been you know over a decade <laughs> no yeah. one's thought of anything better it's like, yeah. yeah it's interesting yeah. you're saying with like the studio stuff because like I remember when I first went to Blender yeah. I like you know, I was hanging, uh, the street art thing wasn't big in Melbourne when yeah. I left to go to London and I came back and it was all happening and, you know, you guys were all doing your thing. And I remember going to Blender and, and meeting you all and then thinking, shit, I'm, none, of, none of my graph mates have studios or anything like that. This is awesome. You know, there's like always 15, 20 people there hanging out, always beers, you know. Yeah. Everyone's just doing art and painting and it's just like, man, this is a pretty cool environment, you know. And then when you got the the space in Collingwood, it was, it was it's really stepped it up as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. But you, you seem you seem to be like the uh, like the instigator and organizer of a lot of the Everfresh, you know, projects yeah. and 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 things that the crew do. Like, is is that right, or is that a fair assumption I, to say that you you you're a driving force? I don't know. I think I'm a, you know, I become a bit of like the dad or something like that sometimes. Mm. So yeah, you know, maybe I was. The, the, the treasurer or um, I don't know people kind of I think because I had a real job as well it's like yeah. I was kind of um, the grown up yeah maybe I was a bit more grown up um, so I started to organize things and you know um, I knew how to write a proposal or something like that mm. and like sync definitely had like the uh, like connections and he knew a lot more people in Melbourne than I did and um, but you know I could 
actually yeah just like all right cool we're gonna have an exhibition of this space it's like all right cool we're gonna so these are the sales and this is how it breaks down and this is your cut and like i'd be the one who handled all that and for years you know whenever you know the studio got an inquiry or like i set up a website for the studio and just started doing all that stuff and like um i think you know wanderlust did a lot of the logos and like they were just kind of fun things to design because mm. it's like there's no kind of there's no client that we're treating it almost like this yeah. brand which didn't really exist and it was all kind of a piss take to ourselves you know um you know it was just a lot of fun to work with but i think i got to a stage where i i stopped doing that like um i realized that you know i was spending more time helping out all the guys in the studio and i wasn't actually doing my own work yeah and you know in the last um five years you know it's like the studio is kind of um taking a back seat for me in that kind of responsibility and like we have a new space and now we have a a studio manager which um the studio employs to handle all the admin and stuff like that so i was like because i know otherwise i'm gonna have to do it yeah how do you <laughs> but it's yeah, it's like, it never ends, like, you know, if I was doing, like, I don't want to ask my friends for money yeah. to pay the rent and stuff like that, but, you know, if we have a studio manager, they can handle all that, so I don't care yeah. if that guy hasn't yeah. paid his rent, so I don't want to worry about that. Just, in, just give yeah. it all the fibs to take care of. You exactly, know? <laughs> you know, yeah, exact, exactly that, you know, fibs, you know, fibs is like the most talented person I know, like, you put any... I don't know, Mark making tool in his hands and he can make something amazing with it. But, you know, the computer is like the one thing he hasn't mastered and I've helped him for years just, you know, do bits and pieces and uh, I still do when I can, but, um, you know, I don't have a lot of time to help him out as much anymore either. But um, he's got a lot of other people helping him that's like, but I know when I need help doing something, it's like, mm -hmm. I can call Fibs. It's like, yeah, cool. I need... um help doing this and he's just like master at it yeah 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 he um i noticed that he like he taught a lot of the uh, other guys how to paint like especially like early like you look at records Megs, Rekka, yeah. sink like wonderlust like you look at yeah. everyone and and you can tell that they learned to paint through hanging out with fibs yeah there, there's and, a wall that all those guys painted together and fibs wasn't on the wall and Sinker at the bottom, just like, uh, we love you, Fibs. <laughs> just like, yeah. yeah, just like, it was so acknowledged. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Yeah, all these guys are, are painting because of the way he paints. Yeah. yeah. But with you, yeah. you, you like would chime in on those walls and do stencils yeah. and stuff. And, yeah. um, like, did you ever paint freehand? Um, I was terrible at it. Like, that's why I stuck to the stencil stuff, you know, like being around mm. people like Fibs and stuff like that. So I can record they're just like man you, you guys can really master this and um you know it just would not work for me like i'm not a great um person with a can of spray paint it's like it was just a a tool i could not use like fibs on a computer that was me with a spray can it's like all right cool yeah. we've all got our weaknesses and it's yeah. like yeah spray can is not not my strength at all it's like so yeah so i developed my style by avoiding the spray can it's like mm. to be you know yeah it was, it was an interesting thing it's like all right cool it's like all right that's my challenge i still want to do this but 
how to do it without a spray can. Yeah, it's interesting working out a process to to do your art. Yeah, but it's, people don't know it. Like people just like I'll go to a festival and say, "All right, cool. What's your spray paint order?" Like, I don't I don't use any spray paint. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. You're saving yeah. you're saving your lungs, man. Like, yeah, that, that shit's toxic. You know. Yeah. Like I um I haven't been painting much recently, and I've really noticed that I haven't been breathing in paint fumes and. Even though I wear a mask, but you know, you take the mask off and some guy's next to you with an astro cap just blasting away at his piece. And Goes in through your skin and your eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Um, but uh, like if you could, if you look back like 10 years, or not even 10 years, like before you started, uh, when you're still a graphic designer, before you started living off your artwork, like yeah. what, what advice would you give yourself now? Um... Uh, there's, there's a, I don't know, there's two, two bits of advice. I, I think the, the simple one is uh, don't paint over anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> That's a simple one. Um, yeah, just, just because you don't think their work's good doesn't mean they don't think that. Like, I'm sure their ego is bigger than yours. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is... Have you had beef like that? With no, 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 but I, I see it all the time and, you know, people come out as like, uh, um, I'm going to be a street artist this week and uh, that's just a tag. Mm. And they put like their work over just a tag and it's mm. like, well, you kind of, you're just making a divide between you and, you know, artists who appreciate that tag. And it's like, it's just making like all other street artists look like fucking idiots mm. when you do that. Um, and, you know, I'm lucky that I haven't had, you know, a lot of beef like that, but I kind of, you know, see the other side of the coin where it's like, you know, I, I can appreciate like a really good hand style. There's like something beautiful about mm. when you can see that someone's can paint something like as a reflex, like it's spring loaded. It's like, yeah, the guy's done that so many times. It's just like, he doesn't even think about it. And like, mm. there's something beautiful about that, but, yeah. um, and someone just like sticks their shit over it. Cause like, ah, oh, it's just a tag. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you just, you're the one who looks like an idiot. Um, but the other thing is, you know, get a job. <laughs> I often tell people, it's like, oh, what's advice of a young ass? Like, yeah, get a job because you, you know, if you've got some other form of income, you don't have to put pressure on your art to survive. Like, you know, if you have to pay rent and company X comes to you and they want to do something wacky with your artwork, but they're going to pay you a couple of grand for it. Um, you're going to take that money because you need it. You really need it. It's like, um, cause that's the way you're going to make your living. But if you've got a job, say, you know what? I don't want to do that wacky kind of collaboration with you guys because you know I'd rather just keep my art for myself and I can afford to because I've got a job um, and for a long time you know I you know I was lucky enough to be able to to do that like now I'm full-time arts and like living off art and it's you know it still happens every now and then like people offer me something it's like oh it's really good money it's like that I don't want to do that it's like all right you know I've got enough other work coming in. It's like, I don't have to do that. So I'll just say no to it. Like I 
said no to some like big money things sometimes and it's like yeah I can say no to that I don't want to work with that Company. Yeah, yeah. That's really satisfying though, isn't it? Yeah. Like the power of no. It's yeah. like, oh, you're dangling this like golden carrot in my face, but it's like, yeah. no, no, I'll be all right. And then yeah. once that, once the temptation's gone and you've shut that off, yeah. it, you feel really empowered and yeah. you know you've made the right decision. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. 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 So um, where can people find you online? Um, my Instagram and website are both really terrible to type in because they got all these dashes between it. But if you just Google Rone, R-O-N-E, um, you'll probably find it. Well, you got a dash between every letter, don't you? Oh, yeah, dash, but like, dash. Yeah, the yeah. website's got dashes and the, the Instagram's got like underscores and it's a nightmare. Just search R-O-N-E. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's much easier. Yeah. And do you have any um, like uh, future plans or up-and-coming shows or anything like that? Yeah, Projects? I hope to have an exhibition later in this year. Um, and I've been invited to do a few things in Europe um, later in the year as well. But it's all um, up in the air at the moment. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, admin and logistics work of trying to... I don't know, make my life come together. Yeah, not all just painting, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, well, um, well, thanks for coming on the show. No worries. Might wrap it thanks up there. Me. No worries. It's been a, it's been a good catch up. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the beers. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Check out the Bench Talk website, benchtalkpodcast.com. There you can listen to past episodes and keep up to date with what's up and coming on the, the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes on the podcast app. You can also listen on SoundCloud. Just search for Bench Talk. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. Thanks, and I look forward to you tuning in again next week. See ya.